Welcome to episode 103 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the holy moly, there's lots of racing edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing great, Phil. It's been a great week of racing that we've had. We had IndyCar debut this season at St. Petersburg. Scott McLaughlin got his first career win in IndyCar, and he did it in pretty good fashion, having to uh, defeat uh, Alex Pillow in the number 10 car. It was a really close finish, uh, a lot of driving, a lot of fuel saving. Uh, we'll get into it in a minute. And then, of course, we had NASCAR at Auto Club Speedway, uh, Xfinity and Cup Series, uh, both really good races. Next-gen car uh, so far looks good racing. Uh, Auto Club Speedway, hope they keep it as a super speedway or as a speedway track. And Kyle Larson picking up where he left off uh, from last year winning a championship, now winning second race of the year in Cup Series. Yeah, there's plenty to get into in regards to St. Pete, ACS, got Las Vegas coming up this weekend. Uh, the We're going to recap Formula One testing, thinking about the next test, which will be in Bahrain as a lead up towards a very busy month of March for Formula One. We're going to have uh, the roundup cover the MotoGP opener at Qatar, all three series there. V8 Supercars will be at Sydney Motorsports Park to start their season. NHRA was at Phoenix last week, so we'll go and cover that. Uh, anything else that went on last week along with uh, this weekend, or this week is the NFL Scouting Combine. We're a few days away from the new league year, so um, there's lots going on, some rumors in regards to where certain players are going to go. Uh, we'll go and give our picks for the races at Las Vegas and um, give our takes on the fact that Miss Hummer will be in the booth for the next two weeks. Um, obviously, we know where that's going to go. Uh, Josh will talk about the sim side of things, Open Wheels 500. Uh, you said his return, so we can get into that. We can get into anything that you've been doing on there, and then we'll close the deal here. So first things first is the IndyCar uh, opener at St. Petersburg. It was a really uh, good race to start the year. The qualifying was tough when you consider how deep the field is. But Scotty McLaughlin went out there and won his first career IndyCar race uh, from pole. And as uh, Josh said, he had to defeat the defending series champion Alex Pillow to do to that. Um, it, was, uh, it was a strong race. Only two two. Drivers didn't finish the race. Uh, my pick for Rookie of the Year, David Malukas, crashed early. And then Dalton Kellett, who had his career-best qualifying run, uh, but had uh, gearbox issues. Only only one caution flag in the entire race. So that's but that was an eight-lap caution. So it tells you IndyCar and their caution system. Uh, Scott McLaughlin won, leading 49 of the race's 100 laps. Alex Pillow, Will Power. Where it was your podium, Colton Herta finished fourth. Roman Grosjean, in his debut for Andretti Autosport, gives the Andretti team two cars in the top five. Penske had two cars in the top five. Renus VK, sixth. Green Rehall, seventh. Scott Dixon, six-time champion, still has never won at St. Petersburg. Led the second most laps in the race, though, with uh, 26. Finished eighth. Marcus Erickson in the Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi car, which makes perfect sense considering Chip Ganassi is Husky and he probably eats a lot of chocolate. And then Takuma Sato in the 
uh, coin where a 51 car came from 22nd to finish 10th. Uh, the uh, top rookie finisher in the race was Christian Lungard and the number 30 for Ray Hall, Letterman Lanigan. And title contender Pato Ward uh, started 16th, only finished 12th. Uh, Pagano had a good qualifying, made the fast six, but didn't have a great run. Newgarden had a, a rough day. Uh, pit stop strategy went through with three stops. Uh, unfortunately, didn't really work out for him. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood started 12th. Uh, strategy and stuff didn't really go his way either, but he was much faster than that over the weekend. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, you have Alexander Rossi, Connor Daly. Neither of them really had the weekends they wanted. There, Jimmy Johnson finished a lap down in 23rd, and um, uh, Will Power was uh, being whinge power when it came to trying to pass him. So, Josh, I guess the first piece is Scotty McLaughlin going and winning the race. Last few years, the driver that's won the first race of the season has ended up winning the championship. Uh, the way that Scotty drove, he looked, they made the comparisons, of course, Lee Diffie, you know, longtime announcer on the V8 Supercars. Um, in the past, and of course, is you know Aussie blood or whatever, talking about the three-time Supercars champion coming from there uh, to go and become an IndyCar driver. In this spot, though, uh, Scotty McLaughlin, first race in his second year, has put everyone on notice with his driving ability, um, with his um, uh, talent in both one lap. Uh, pace and also in race pace to hold off the defending series champion um, and and hold off all comers in regards to some of these title contenders. Uh, what are your thoughts on the race, the Honda, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg uh, this past Sunday and Scotty McLaughlin's first career victory? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, I feel like with Scotty McLaughlin winning this race, it was pretty shocking. Uh, not that he won, but starting out on pole. Uh, I didn't foresee that coming. Uh, I thought maybe it would be somebody else on pole. I picked Colton Herta, I think, to win this race, and I, I thought he would have a, a little bit more to show than he did. Uh, but then Scott McLaughlin immediately won the pole and then st had a good start uh, to the race. Uh, a lot of the teams started out on the red tires, on the alternates. Um, some teams started out on black tires and primary tires, and uh, it was really a race of deferring strategies. And you saw, like, Scott McLaughlin, um, Alex Blow, they they were on the two-stop strategy, and uh, Will Power uh, also on the two-stop strategy. Uh, I mean, those it was, it was basically you know battle between that, and then you had three-stop so like uh, Joseph Newgarden. Um, but of course, Newgarden ended up finishing in 16th, and it was definitely a, a tough struggle for him. The strategy didn't work out. Um, there, I, th I think that strategy probably would have worked better if, if they had had more yellows. And that would have been in their favor. But I, I think with a race that basically went green the whole way, except for brief caution period uh, towards the beginning of the race with uh, the 18, uh, David Malukas, I think um, the two-stop strategy ended up being the, the way to go. Uh, you saw some comers and goers throughout the field uh, throughout this race, uh, with, you know, especially since uh, teams with the red tires uh, wear out quickly. And then you go back to the black tires uh, after about the 20-lap run, 25-lap run to start the race. Uh, especially since those wear out pretty quickly. And you saw it with uh, Scott McLaughlin there. He was starting to struggle towards the end of the first stint uh, with his tires uh, on those reds and losing time. Uh, Will Power started to catch up to him towards the end. 
uh, of that first pit stop, but then uh, Scott McLaughlin is able to work his way back up to the lead. Uh, you saw Jimmy Johnson going uh, uh, almost up to the top 10. I think he had kind of a different strategy. I think he started out on primaries, then he went to reds, and then uh, I think he went back to the black tires for his last stint. And he's almost up in the top 10, uh, and he was holding up pretty well and uh, able to uh, keep his position for a bit. But then once the tires started to go away, uh, it was basically sort of dropped like a rock and then uh, ended up eventually falling a lap down uh, to the leaders towards the end of the race. And, uh, you know, was able to keep his position and, you know, sort of race, you know, relatively close to the leaders. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, uh, ended up holding up willpower and maybe impeding his race there. Kind of the same thing with uh, Tatiana Calderon as well, having the uh, same issue getting in or getting the way of the leaders and uh, contenders and like that. So, it was a you know overall great race and did like the close finish to end the race. We didn't really have any really uh, good racing between the leaders last year when I attended the race. I actually kind of regret not going to the race this year, but I, you know regardless of that fact, I'm seeing a close finish like that. Ten laps to go, uh, you know both drivers have a lot of time on their push to pass, and both of them. Uh, had opportunities to use it. Uh, you saw Alex Pillow use it, especially on the last lap. But then, of course, on McLaughlin's end, maybe fuel strategy um, had to play in the role of how much he had to use because uh, I think both of them were very, very close on fuel. And I think maybe, of course, uh, Pillow was able to be a little bit more aggressive with uh, push to pass, uh, of course, needing to pass the leader to win the race. And uh, Scott McLaughlin maybe not getting as much good fuel mileage there. And so it was definitely... Um, conserving his uh, push to pass uh, there at the end of the race, but still was able to defend his position and ultimately come out as the winner. So you know, overall, a pretty solid debut for the 2022 IndyCar season. Yeah, and there's plenty to come. There's testing right now, a Texas rookie test. Uh, there's other stuff uh, with the IndyCar series. Uh, with uh, their next race here in a few weeks' time at Texas Motor Speedway, uh, unlike most years since, I don't know, the IRL days of 97 and beyond, they'll be running a race uh, early in the year, akin to where I guess NASCAR used to be in the schedule. They've moved their race up to the second race to fill the gap that existed, I think, from St. Pete and Baba um, and uh, Long Beach and a whole bit. So it gives a little more continuity the flip side of that is that a lot of the IndyCar drivers that are running sports cars on the side get screwed because they won't be able to run the 12 hours of Sebring because it's the day before. So that will be interesting to see. The fallout's already started in regards to Jimmy Johnson. Uh, he won't be running the 12 hours of Sebring. Then um, Jose Maria Lopez is going to be running in his place. I might be wrong on that or I might be forgetting who's his replacement, but we'll get into that here in a couple weeks' time during the 12 Hours of Sebring uh, preview. But other IndyCar drivers are contracted to run and be third drivers, and uh, they won't be able to, or they'll be running some crazy double duty in that they'll run their stint at the 12 Hours of Sebring and then have to go and, um, which actually, no, that's not logistically possible. I don't think unless qualifying is at later in the day or something, they could probably run early in the day and then fly to Texas and, and run qualifying. But I don't know. Um, it's, it seems pretty bad that they scheduled it that way, especially when Sebring had already been announced. Uh, I think they could have either moved it up a week or moved it back a week and avoided that clash. But 
we'll see what happens with that in regards to the Indy cars. I mean, uh, I think another piece, Josh, I mean, uh, the championship contenders, we, we spent a lot of time on Hello, Colton Herta, Pato Award because of what they did last year. And we also talked about Dixon and Newgarden. So those are the big five from last year's series. Um, outside of Palo and Colton Herta, who's always really been good at St. Petersburg, it was a struggle for two for Newgarden and for Award. Award never really had pace the whole weekend. Um, and the similar problems that they've had over time with his car seemed to have reared their ugly head again. Newgarden was more misfortune pit strategy. Scott Dixon made the most of his strat, um, ran very long, and made the most of the situation. They didn't have a lot of pace early in the weekend. They came up as the weekend went on, um, obviously, based on the final results, um, getting three of their cars in the top 10. And um, But I guess for that, I mean, it's only one race. Willpower wasn't really a factor and generally hasn't been a factor, a championship guy for a few years. It's more about his qualifying prowess. Um, has always really stood out here in recent years. The winning of winged willpower has kind of slowed down a bit. Um, so it was a good recovery. The campaign scheme, at least, is different. It's cool. It's two tone. So that's nice. Um, the you know Grosjean, VK, Graham Rahal, who's you know an outside shot if he could actually win a race. Um, those are guys that haven't, you know, fully been vested in the championship. So uh, takeaways, at least initially, by what you saw um, from the big teams, some of these drivers, is there is there any real cause for concern after one race? Or do we need to get through, uh, get to the month of May before we really kind of evaluate um, where things are at? Because at that point, they'll have run four races two permanent or one on a permanent road course, two street course races and an oval before they get to the month of May and run the Indy road course and the Indianapolis 500. Well, I think for, you know, some of these teams, I think on road courses, it's definitely going to be an interesting tell for this race. Cause we, you know, we still have some street racing left uh, in the year, but I think, you know, for the beginning of the year, I think it may be a little bit of a anomaly, especially for guys like Joseph Newgarden, who just had a bad strategy, didn't have the best luck, but definitely they're in the same house as Scott McLaughlin and even Will Power, who had his strategy kind of play out a little bit better for him. I think uh, definitely it's more of an anomaly, but then I look at teams like uh, Pato Award, uh, definitely we're expecting a lot more from that team this weekend or this past weekend, and I think um, the b- lack of pace uh, is concerning for that team. I think James Hinchcliffe noted on the uh, broadcast during the race, he talked about uh, awards team and mentioned that you know, McLaren, uh, Aaron McLaren SP, they're still doing a little bit of development and they're still trying to you know fine tune uh, some of that and kind of led to the uh, lack of pace uh, on Sunday for that team. So I do think that's concerning, especially you know, after last year, they, they won two races both on road courses or one on oval and then the other at Detroit. Uh, so it is a little bit concerning for uh, a team like that, that you expect to be kind of a contender right out of the gate. And they didn't really do that, but uh, we'll see how they improve as they go to Texas and which they won last year, uh, one of the races there last year. And then uh, as we go to you know Indy road course and then the Indy 500, I think probably have a better idea of that team uh, in particular. And then I think uh, Colton Herta, um, 
you know, didn't really win or, you know, he didn't win, didn't lead any laps, but finished solidly in fourth. Uh, so a good solid start to his uh, campaign for 2022, of course, being in the news now as uh, probably the front runner for whenever uh, Andretti starts up a, a Formula One team. And obviously he looks like he's going to be the guy to go over there and do that uh, uh, likely in 2024. So I think, um, you know, right now, good solid debut to go out and, try to win the championship um didn't start off on a, a bad note like last year um and now at least has a chance to go into an oval with uh some momentum and have a, a chance to be able to get points uh there as well so i think you know for all these you know and as uh, scott dixon as well i think um you know he he was kind of on that same uh three-stop strategy i think as uh, some of the contenders in this field and i i think uh it might have worked for him you know again like if they had a little bit more yellows but uh overall led laps uh in the race and you know showed a, a lot of pace as well so you know not really concerned about ganassi cars as um the ones that we expect to contend in the championship in the penske cars but um do you know for teams like mclaren uh definitely uh not having the best debut that they could have definitely uh very concerning for them uh as far as the contenders that we expected uh coming into this season I mean, going and it's, I figured I'd ask, I mean, it's something that people will think about. Are we, or is there cause for concern after one race? When you consider the depth of talent in this series and some of the drivers that are struggling and for, you know, practice, which we're going to get into, we talk about practice, you know, there, it's a thing that we're going to talk about in regards to the NASCAR uh, situation. I mean, when it comes to, how the limited amount and if you don't get off the truck fast how much that affects your entire weekend there's very indycar's had that for years and then qualifying forget it uh qualifying on road courses i've said that watching the first round of qualifying uh, for and even the fast 12 is akin to the formula one it's not as good of course but you know it's it the drama is there with the qualifying in IndyCar and road courses. Uh, it's way more dramatic than a lot of other series. So that's pretty cool. Um, and it's going to be difficult uh, to make the Fast 6 this year uh, on a regular basis. And if you can, uh, more power to you. I think making the Fast 12 is what the goal is. I mean, you, you hear Kyle Moyer, who's now uh, Scott McLaughlin's, um, I guess, race strategist moving they moved a bunch of the pieces from the 22 car uh, which pagino drove they moved a bunch of pieces from there i think they moved some other pieces around amongst all the teams to kind of kind of give mclaughlin the best opportunity um they had to make some changes even at new gardens uh team and um was it dixon they said uh one of his key guys that he's had for many years got moved up in the food chain and uh, he's now working with Jimmy Johnson, which in theory is probably like a step down, but whatever. Um, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of moving parts with IndyCar, a lot of P players that are getting used to new roles. Uh, we may not know what the true pecking order is until in the Indianapolis month of May, but you're going to, you're not trying to give up points early in the season. Alex Pillow is got a lot like Scott Dixon. He understands the factor of having to go and earn points. Even if you can't win, 
getting a top five is fine. In IndyCar is the way their point system works. It's like NASCAR was prior to Brian France. You earn top fives, top tens, you finish races, you're going to give yourself a chance to win a championship. Yes, you're going to win races or try. you would hope to win races, um, but you need to finish. You need to finish up high. Um, there are bonus points available. You want to kind of get them bonus points too. And Polo, who may have not had the best car at the starter weekend by the end of the weekend, was up there. And that's the thing. Herta consolidated what probably wasn't a weekend that he was hoping for and got a top five finish. That's the kind of maturity he spoke of that he needed. And that's the kind of maturity he's going to have to show as he moves forward in his career and, you know, likely to Formula One which there are different rumors going on with the whole Andretti effort, what's going on. And there are things that have come out here recently that might change the whole spin the tail a little bit more um, in regards to Andretti's involvement in Formula One and Colton Herta. Uh, but we will get into IndyCars again here in a few weeks' time when they go to Texas, um, when the one groove shithole that is Texas uh, Motor Speedway because of all the... Uh, all the grip strip uh, residue that's yeah. out there. Our name. That's our name yeah. there. Thank you, Texas. That is. Yeah, but the problem is it's on the worst racetrack ever made. Um, that's the sad, sad thing. Um, and Eddie Gossage has, ex- has an existence because that track yeah. is there. That's that's my, that's the sad part. I mean, now I hope that because now we're going to get into this uh it's a weird transition, but we're getting into a track that uh, that is one of the worst racetracks ever made to a track that many people have said is not a great racetrack and has not provided great racing over the years. Provided great racing this past weekend uh, for the uh, wise energy of what do you call 400 at uh, Auto Club California Speedway, uh, which saw uh, Young Money get his first win of the season and uh you know at a racetrack where he's won at multiple times so now this would be and i think he had won there at least twice or at least he'd won xfinity and a cup race there um now he's won in a hendrick car which isn't shocking but i don't think that that was the scenario which we thought was going to happen it only really came along there in the last uh segment really of the race the last uh, pit stop um he won the best car in, in the racetrack i don't think um you know you had guys like dan you had um tyler reddick had a car he had a rocket ship and he led the most laps 90 laps won both stages but in the end finished a lap down in 24th i thought he was going to have a chance to win his first career race. I had a feeling about him and I'm glad I didn't put that, take that feeling and put some money on it. Chase Briscoe started 24th, um, went to the front, went to the back, went to the front, kind of sounds like his Daytona 500. Uh, the same way he had a chance there, led 20 laps, looked really good. Only ends up 16 finishes, the worst of his, uh, Stuart Haas racing driver, the team, but, to be completely honest, he was the best car out of the crew in the end uh, because, what is it, Almirola and Harvick. Almirola had issues in qualifying. Harvick didn't qualify because he wrecked in practice. And I, I guess we'll we'll start with that. The whole practice situation, they get a 15-minute practice. 
Harvick goes out on the racetrack and wads the car up. There was other people that had issues and spun Ross out. Chastain, yeah, had a yeah, hard Chastain, Chastain knocked himself silly. Um, so I guess the new 15-minute practice scenario with these cars uh, might not be the greatest idea considering the part shortages that they have. Um, Rodney Childers and company had to rebuild their um, Subway Ford Fusion or Ford Mustang. Sorry, I, I was I was slipping back into like 2012 or whatever um, or 20, whatever, 2016. Uh, but Subway Ford, I'm, I guess I went Carl Edwards there, but they had to repair the car because they only have one backup car amongst four teams there are for his team. So that means they might have one backup car for each team or something. I don't know. They it made it sound like they only had like one backup car for a four car team, which might be entirely possible considering the nonsense that is this um, next gen car. But when when you think about practice and thinking about Kevin Harvick, who's won fifty plus ra- races and literally goes out on the racetrack and wads the car up or gets in a wreck, and then you have Ross Chastain follows him up and one ups him and destroys his car. Um, and they had to borrow, I think they had to borrow a car or something. I, I, I might be mixing up stories there, but that I've never thought of practice being as dramatic as last, as the practice was last week at uh, California Speedway, but it definitely was. And then the qualifying session was also entertaining, albeit the whole, I don't know, A session, B session thing. I'm not really sure I, I i guess i missed the whole explanation on that or i didn't bother to read it on jsky which is my fault i guess but you know the the whole a b session of qualifying uh seemed weird but okay uh here we go all right so now I'm, all right, I'm looking at it so josh um what were your thoughts on the practice and qualifying before we get into the race in more detail and Larson going getting yet another win, which he doesn't need. Yeah, of course. I mean, with practice and qualifying, I mean, I think the biggest thing, yeah, was just the instability, I guess, of the cars that you saw in practice. You saw Bubba Wallace get into the wall, of course. You saw Kevin Harvick in, in his crash, Rash Chastain getting into the wall, basically crashing like Dale Jr. did all the way back in 2002, and him and Harvick got into it. And then, you know, he had that concussion for uh, many months, but uh then you saw i i can't remember if there's another team that wrecked in practice but then in qualifying uh in the last uh session of qualifying for the poll you saw uh some of the contenders uh specifically the hendrick cars you saw william byron spin out i think he hit the wall and then chase elliott last car out there to win the poll from cindrick uh was looking on track to get the pole and then spun out in uh, the middle of turn three and four uh lost the car lost the car there so it was uh, definitely a challenge and one of the questions that i had going into this race is like is this car difficult to drive because of the fact that it's uh unstable or is it just challenging to drive i mean i look at the 1987 cars on iRacing that are definitely a challenge and definitely uh hard to drive and it takes a lot of skill to be able to drive those cars because you're on the edge and you have to be able to uh, nail the corners right to be able to get a, a good lap time. But then this car, um, it's I, I thought maybe it's a little too unstable just because of the fact that we hadn't seen this many incidents before in qualifying and practice. But then 
I think the race uh, changed my opinion of that a little bit. I mean, there's still incidents, people spinning out, but I think um, it's just more of, you know, teams really pushing it and qualifying, I think in particular, uh, trying to, you know, get the pull and, you know, start uh, out front and have good track position rather than just instability uh, in these cars. But, I mean, I think there's a little bit to do with the instability, especially getting used to uh, the tire of the car since they, you know, they changed the the wheelbase, or not the wheelbase, but uh, the wheel size going from 15 to 18 inches uh, takes a lot of uh, flex from the tire and, the you know, how it interacts with the ground and how, how much, uh, you know, grip you're able to have, how much you're able to slide the car in the corners. So there's definitely um, issues with uh, the qualifying or, you know, with the car in that scenario. But then once they had the race situation, it was fine. And you're able to see cars use the top, be able to pass, uh, use the bottom and try to uh, get position on the bottom. And it was, you know, back to classic Fontana racing that uh, we've seen uh, in the past uh, since, you know, 2009, 2010, when the pavement really started to kind of aging and tire wear really became a factor at this racetrack uh you saw teams use the high line you saw tyler reddick uh really uh use the high line and he had the best car there in that race and just had a flat tire spun out and collected william byron who also had a good car eric jones surprisingly up front in a richard petty car normally this car is like a, a top 25 car not really competitive at all now in the top five and in fact led a lot of laps uh, in this race. So, uh, pretty competitive outing for the first time in a long time for the 43 car and probably its best years since, um, probably Eric Almarola. I mean, I know Bubba was in that car for the last couple of years, but, um, I mean, there wasn't, a, there were, there aren't many races where he was consistently in the top five or top 10, uh, in that car. But now, uh, Eric Jones is able to basically be in the top 10 lead laps, uh, the whole time in the 43 car. It's a really good result for him. And then, uh, you, you know, you had uh, Kyle Larson, of course, uh, ended up winning the race and used the high line to his advantage uh, a lot during um, his run to the front. And you talk about uh, the incident that they had with Kyle or with uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, it's basically uh, Kyle Larson, you know, his classic side drafting move. If you notice how he races, he's one of the few drivers really to um, take advantage of this and, you know, do it well. It's, um, you know, part of his game that I really admire, I guess, uh, when he, how he drives, you know, he's able to get to the right rear uh, quarter panel um, of car and then just use a side draft and then get alongside and pass and take the lead. And it's very similar to how he got his first win in NASCAR and Xfinity back in 2014, uh, how he was able to do that. And then went up to the top and I guess spotter didn't clear him, didn't see him, was focused on the battle with Logano and then uh, got into it with uh, Chase Elliott and put Chase Elliott back into the wall and had used a couple of lucky dogs to get back to the lead lap and then suddenly found himself in third place, possibly a chance to take the lead, got into the wall, ended his race and then basically acted all petty about it like he did at Bristol last year with uh, Kevin Harvick uh, in that one. So it was um, a lot of drama in this race. Uh, a lot of exciting racing and you know i i hope that they don't repave or reconfigure this racetrack i mean dale jr brings to the point about repaving the backstretch just to make it less bumpy and i can agree with that and everything but i think repaving it uh entirely or you know changing it to a short track uh like they had initially uh planned 
uh, back in 2020. I think that'd be a huge mistake and a huge loss uh, for the series as far as uh, quality of racing and racetrack. Um, of course, the land is very valuable. So, you know, if attendance doesn't improve in a few years uh, to offset, you know, um, revenues and everything and operating income, then maybe this racetrack ends up going away um, and they end up selling to land developers and, uh, you know, it ends up having the same fate that Ontario did back in the uh, 70s and, you know, later on with Riverside Raceway in the 1980s. So we'll have to see what the future uh, holds for uh, California Speedway, for Auto Club Speedway. So uh, hopefully it stays on the schedule and we're able to still have uh, great racing there uh, at this racetrack. Yeah, considering we're talking of there's rumors of Chicago having a street race for the Cup Series, it should be disconcerting. But when you consider Grand Zam existed for many years and ran a lot of street course races, I guess that's what these cars are in a sense. They're like GT3 cars in certain ways. So why don't they go and run a street course? There are going to be places that are going to lose dates. I mean, Dover's dead on arrival. We Everybody and their mother knows it. Um, Richmond has gotten a bad rap in recent years and they're losing a lot of races up in the Northeast. Basically anywhere I I've went to a race, they, they're trying to take away races. So it pisses me off outside of Bristol. So now Bristol, they put a dirt on the, for the one race to go and make up for the fact that Bristol, they ruined Bristol. Um, so with, with ACS, I mean, yeah, pave the back straightaway. I would definitely, nothing's going to be affected by paving the back straightaway. Um, you know, ride heights and all, okay, but your ride heights are going to have to be based on the corners and the front straightaway. I mean, I, I would just, I literally, I would be like doing what I can to leave the corners the way they are, and I would just I would pave the straightaways, which they could have done in the last two years. Um and they didn't bother to when nobody's at the damn racetrack. You could have repaved the whole back straightaway. It would have cured it. Had two years of of weathering on the front and back straightaway. They could have redid the pit road, um, which would also made it you know palatable for an IndyCar series uh, finale per se. Um, instead of you know all the crap that they've done and making them run in June, they could have had that. Uh, but of course, ISC tracks, they're not really trying to work with IndyCar in general. So that's probably part and parcel for why that happened. Uh, the race itself, I mean, for me as a fan, um, I enjoyed it. I thought Daniel Suarez was going to go out there and win. I was I was happy for Eric Jones going and getting out there and running up front again. Um, and then also taking the Petty GMS 43 and, and running up front. That was um, good to see. It may go away as the season goes along, but right now with how things are, some of these teams that are smaller, some of these teams that haven't been up there, getting back up there, do in part, I mean, and Eric Jones has the talent. Uh, people aren't going to question his talent. So him and Dave Allens are a good combination. They're sneaky. Um, they could, if they can get one win, that's all it, it all it takes. If they can get a win, um, they could be a problem, you know, once they're given free reign to kind of R and D, um, test, you know, relax. Um, that's, that's the thing. Larson winning this race is not shocking. It's the, before he became this, whatever guy, hard R guy, um, he'd win at these tracks. He went to Michigan, he went to California. And when he was driving for Ganassi, the, these are tracks that suit his style. 
Um, so in the sense that he won this race, did I think he was going to win this race? I didn't think most of the weekend that he was one of the favorites per se, other than the fact that he is the defending series champion. He's won there before. Okay, fine. But there are better cars than him. Reddick was a better car than him. Uh, but then, you know, shit happened. And um, that's part of the problem, you know, since he's come to Cup. The closing aspect has been an issue for Tyler Reddick compared to his days in the Xfinity series. Uh, mainly, made, especially his one year he drove for RCR um, in the Xfinity series. Um, not as much even in the JRM car, even though he got the title there. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I mean, I think there's some positive signs for some of these teams. Likes to chase Briscoe, um, who after struggling most of last year, uh, got a 20th or whatever the hell, uh, 16th, whatever, but he was better than that most of the day or a good part of the day. And, you know, the Stuart Haas team is starting to come back. Penske cars are, are in play. So Ford, as we talked about the week before with the Daytona 500, is back and are way more competitive than they were. I mean, got to give credit to Daniel Hemrick started fifth and finished ninth in a colleague in the colleague 16, finished 10th uh, for my boy Adam, who was at the race itself. So, oh, Richard actually finished 10th in the race. So it tells you where some of the things are changing. Sindrick won his first career pole, uh, finished 12th. Yeah, Bush and Hamlin, Kyle Bush and Denny Hamlin, the 14th and 15th. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's things that, you know, and there was, I mean, you had 23 cars on the lead lap, which, um, and so that it was somewhat of a competitive race. I mean, they didn't, I mean, they had a bunch of cautions. So, I mean, yeah, that played a role. It was a lot. And yeah, that played a role, especially with Hemrick. Uh, he was at six laps down at one point and then managed to uh, use those lucky dogs and get back onto the lead lap. Kyle Busch uh, fell back multiple laps uh, after spinning out you know, in, in the middle of the race and didn't have a good handling car throughout the entire race, but still managed to salvage a 15th place. Um, Bowman, the last winner of California, was a non-factor. The Hendrick cars um, didn't have a great day outside of the winner but you know it's the it, it is what it is with that i think we'll see it's going to be a while uh before we kind of can assess uh because these cars are brand new going to all these racetracks it might be the summer before we really kind of get a read on this one too but it's always good to kind of get into the um stuff that's going on there uh, the uh, point standings right now, uh, Sindrick and Larson, of course, are locked in to the playoff. From there, uh, Logano, Truex, Blaney are the top five. Then you have Briscoe, Eric Jones, Eric Almirola, Bubba Wallace, and Brad Keselowski rounding out the top ten. Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, O. Richard, Austin Dillon, Daniel Suarez, and Cole Custer, the sixteen. Uh, talking about, you know, when it comes to expanded baseball playoffs, 16 of the drivers that start every race will be in the playoffs in the Cup Series, which probably is excessive. But that's a dis the discussion for another week, uh, probably during an off week, which they don't have many. Um, it is half the over half the 
eligible field in the standings, uh, the top 30 drivers. Yeah, which is which is really ridiculous. But, you know, that's the way that uh, NASCAR does things, and they think that it makes sense. But playoffs means you should limit a field, even though in this case with NASCAR calling it playoffs when everybody's on the field at the same time, it's not the same as any sport. But it's NASCAR for you. It's uh, SOD and Phelps and all the other geniuses, pencil, paper pushers, and butt lickers going and affecting the sport. It's kind of like WWE. So it is what it is when it comes to that. Um, uh, let's go into the Xfinity series race at uh, California, uh, which saw, let's go back there, the uh, Production Alliance Group 300, which saw Cold Custard win um, for SS Greenlight Racing. Tenth victory of his career. Um, second victory at California. So that's a big deal, of course, for Bobby Dodder's team to go and get a victory in regards to the Owner's Points Championship. Uh, they'll have a chance to at least compete for that, depending on who drives that car. Uh, Joe, it's a, the irony in that is that Cole Custer won the race and was dominant and qualified up front in Joe Graff Jr., who's a teammate car failed to qualify for the race and he had to take Timmy Hill's ride to make the show because Joe Graf Jr. sucks. Um, eat, sleep, race. It seems like he sleeps behind the wheel um, and he ain't much of a racer. And based on what he looks like, uh, he probably could gain, gain a couple pounds and uh, learn to gain a clue uh, because he, he really sucks. So, I mean, when it comes to cold custard, Going and uh, winning that race really wasn't that dramatic, to be fair. Uh, yeah, at the end, him and uh, Gagson were running up front, but Custer was one of the dominant figures. It was him, the the way it lays out, it was him, the 9, and Trevor Bain in the 18 car uh, making a return in the series. Has seven races trying to prove himself once again. The 2011 Daytona 500 winner, you know, trying to go and come back uh, and be relevant again in the 18 car. Of course, uh, Kyle Busch won't be driving uh, this year, whatever car would have been 1854. So they have openings. Uh, True Ryan Truex will be running some races in that 18 car. Going into the results, Custer, Gregson, Bain, Josh Berry, Anthony Alfredo, who had newer tires, but all the heat cycles and red flags because Brockshot Jones destroyed all the sand barrels spinning off turn four, uh, probably cost Alfredo a first Xfinity win and first win for our motorsports. Sam Mary, AJ Elmeninger, Justin Allgaier, Herbst, Ryan Sieg was your top ten. Um yeah, I mean, it, it was a 150-lap race. It went 15 laps past its scheduled distance, Josh. But really, to be completely honest, uh, nobody was touching Cole Custer uh, in that particular spot. Yeah, once Cole Custer got up to the lead, it was basically Cole Custer's race. I mean, there was a couple times where uh, he dropped back uh, due to pit stops and stuff or other things, other teams trying to take advantage of track position but for the most part you know he was able to you know do the same thing on like 
the other guys in the cup did on Sunday, being able to use that high line. He was able to um, use that line and, and drive up to the lead and pretty much stayed there uh, and ended up winning that race. Uh, there was a chance you know, towards the end with the way tire strategy ended up playing. Anthony and Alfredo could have had a chance to win the race, but uh, ultimately ended up kind of getting stuck onto the bottom and really wasn't able to take advantage of his tires on the last restart uh, to be able to uh, get up to the lead. And I mean, he had the best tires at the end uh, based on off of when he pitted, but then um, just uh, didn't get a good, good enough launch off of turn two on the last restart and kind of fell back and wasn't able to challenge cold custard there. But uh, it was a, a pretty lengthy race. I felt like, especially for Xfinity. Um, I know the cup race had 12 cautions, but it was over 200 lap race. I mean, still excessive amount in my opinion, but I think this race in particular is, uh, only 150 laps and they, uh, had more. Uh, so basically, you know, they had more cautions per lap than, uh, the, uh, cup series did, but you know, I think, um, it does reek a little bit of, uh, incompetence, I guess, uh, especially, you know, you have the stage cautions, which are already there. I mean, they shouldn't even count the stage cautions as an actual caution in the statistics, but I mean, they do. Um, but I mean, that does play a role into it because you bunch the field up and have more restarts and stuff. Uh, so there's always a factor in everything, but I think, uh, the, uh, the, the race itself, I mean, it wasn't as uh, competitive, I think, uh, you know, especially with Cole Custer clearly being dominant. And I mean, it would have been the same if on, you know, on the cup race, if Tyler Reddick didn't spin out, but that's how it was. But uh, in this race in particular, I mean, it was uh, the 07 for the first time, you know, winning a race, uh, which is, I guess is good for that team. But yeah, you know, obviously they had some help cup driver in there and probably partnering with uh, Stuart Haas in some way, but uh, you had that. They are. Then, yeah, they are. So, okay. They are. And so you have that. And then the JRM cars did pretty well. Um, I mean, Noah Gregson led laps, uh, uh, I think, uh, Josh Berry. And I mean, there was one point when it was JRM had four cars in the top five, you know, you had, uh, Gregson up there in the lead. Uh, you had, uh, Justin Algeyer, I think in, in second and, uh, Josh Berry is in third and then in fifth place was, uh, Sam Mayer. So at one point they were doing pretty well, but, uh, ended up not winning the race for any of those cars, but, um, I mean, overall, it was a pretty good, I mean, it was, it was all right race, but it just, I felt like, especially towards the end when literally you're about to take the white flag and then you have Brandon Jones crash into the pit barrier and cause a red flag because the, all the pit barrier sand, you know, barriers are busted and you got to clean all that stuff up and everything. And it just, uh, shows a, um, you know, it goes on when it was like, oh, it should have been over by now, but it wasn't. And definitely uh was uh, very lengthy but i mean overall uh, uh cup driver winning uh in uh xfinity uh kind of a throwback i guess because now uh, we don't really see that anymore especially with kyle bush no longer being in the series so uh we'll see how much of a theme that is uh this year especially with uh, the new car yeah and i mean for custer i think I'm not sure how many races he's signed up for. I don't think that's his only race. I know Chase Briscoe only has one race, I believe, uh, with the same sponsor that Custer ran and was a sponsor of the Race Production Alliance Group. So uh, we will see what happens with that. Um, the racing in the Xfinity Series, we'll see. I think Las Vegas will be a little bit more of a determining factor on the theme in regards to what you take from early in the season. Uh, who will stand up there and who will do work uh, in that race and what comes of that race and how that dictates the season in general. Uh, you know, Formula One, they tested 
you know, we talked about it briefly, but um, in the end, the Formula One uh, 2022 season testing underway. They finished their testing on the uh, 25th in Barcelona um, for and the uh, Mercedes duo of Lewis Hamilton and George Russell finished 1-2. Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen finished 3-4 for Red Bull. Vettel 5th for Aston. The Ferraris of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz 6th and 7th. The Williams duo of Alex Albon and Nicholas Latifi 8-9, along with the McLarens of Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris in 10th and 11th. Um, the Alphas... The Alfa Romeos and the Putin Haases struggled along with Alpine. Uh, they had engine difficulties. So might be the the pecking order per se. The Alphas, uh, Alfa Romeos and the Haases will be running in the back. The Alpines will be on the back foot for a bit. You know, there's Alfa Tori is kind of iffy. But, you know, what will... You say, I mean, it's Alfatori is a feat one day, but Pierre Gasly the day before did 147 laps. So, um, I mean, do we, I guess the the question is, Josh, what can we take away? I mean, I think McLaren showed that they might be able to make that next step or get themselves back to where they have been for many years before. Um, I think Ferrari also has a similar story. Mercedes, I think, as the week, as the days went on, kept on building up on their deal. And I truly believe that Red Bull sandbagging um, before they even get to the first race of the year because they're not trying to allow any secrets or allow anything for uh, Mercedes to do within their cost cap limitations, which uh, exists now in Formula One. But what are your um, takeaways, Josh, in regards to? Formula One testing at Catalonia before they go to Bahrain this week. Well, I, I think for this uh, for this test, I mean, I think it's pretty clear uh, for some of these teams like McLaren, like Ferrari. I think more for Ferrari than McLaren because uh, I think Ferrari is more consistent. But both of these teams look like they're being closer to being uh, contenders once again in Formula One. I think uh, you know overall Ferrari they they led testing on day day two of testing, and then they were also for the most part um, they were fastest until uh, Lando Norris got fastest lap in that first day. So I think they they look like they could be contenders possibly being that third team, uh, kind of picking up where they left off in 2021. Uh, they ended up getting uh, third best team over McLaren, but uh, you know overall uh, they look like they might be able to challenge uh, up against uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, and we'll see how that happens, how that plays out. First race, of course, at Bahrain uh, in a couple of weeks, so we'll see how it plays out, but I think they they might have something. Uh, McLaren, I think you know they're probably right there too. But um, I feel like it could be end up similar to you know how we felt about uh, the IndyCar effort, like we talked about earlier. They may still have some inconsistencies to uh, work out. Um, I think Lando Norris is going to end up being probably their best driver, and Ricardo is probably going to have to fight really hard to stay uh, in his seat for next season because. Um, if he doesn't have a good year this year, he's definitely going to be in uh, probably not return to that ride next year. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think for Mercedes, 
maybe they're testing kind of aging like a fine wine, I guess. You know, they didn't start out that well, but then by the end they were they were better. Although uh, it wasn't a full session on the last day of, of testing, of course. Uh, so I mean, there could have been more opportunities if they had um, had a full day of testing. But within that time frame. Um, they improved a lot from where they were before uh, the start of testing. Um, of course, Lewis Hamilton trying to uh, – I saw an article on Racer, Lewis Hamilton trying to downplay their pace, um, of course. Uh, and you know, I think teams are just in general trying to experiment right now, trying to uh, figure out what works and what doesn't work, uh, where they can gain the most speed uh, in their cars and everything. So um, – I think we'll probably get a better picture of what testing looks like, uh, you know, who could be the players after uh, the next test session, of course, in a couple of weeks from now. So um, I think uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, once we get into the season, um, is it going to be similar? You know, we talk about NASCAR in the parody of the next gen car. Um, could we see something similar, you know, even though there are still, you know, it's not a spec series, but there are cost caps and, and whatnot. And, you know, dealing with the new formula, do we see some teams uh, finish, you know, that we don't expect them to finish in the points? Uh, do they end up having points finishes or, you know, teams that we expect to be contenders? Do they have a, a couple of races, especially the start of the year where they look really off compared to what they were in previous years? Yeah, I mean, we have another test coming up here in Bahrain. We'll talk about it more uh, next week on the gsp for episode 104 since i'll be a precursor to the formula one season opener so i mean i think the balance of power we know the top two teams are up there are the two major factors outside of that mclaren ferrari going to be able to stand up and compete with those two teams that's the question uh and when it comes to the back end of the grid i think we know that Putin Haas, um, even though they can't, in theory, we can't call Putin Haas anymore because there's no Russian flag on it, but Egghead isn't going to be driving because of restrictions uh, in different countries. So he wouldn't even be able, if he was to run, try to run the season, he wouldn't be able to run the British Grand Prix. So that'll be something uh, to see in regards to uh, the Ukraine, uh, Russia, Ukraine scenario there and our thoughts go out to those in the Ukraine having to deal with this unnecessary and ridiculous um, war situation and how bad it's becoming. Um, it's it's a bad time in certain areas uh, to just be able to live, let alone um, have a life. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Formula One here as we go along. Uh, the next piece of business I wanted to get into was the uh, roundup. Just go over here. Uh, 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 the uh, MotoGP series will be running at uh, Qatar this weekend. Uh, you have FIA Formula One, two, and three testing at Bahrain as well. So I bring up stuff here, MotoGP, and then MotoGP we have. Um, you got the driver. Yeah. No, that's not what I need. Uh, the all three series will be running uh, at Qatar uh, this weekend in their season usual season opener, twenty two um, MotoGP season, and they're pretty cool. All that uh, the group photo. Oh, wow. making a big deal about that. Um, both that. 
main chatting with Jim Henders. Yeah, so mentioned Beggar and Bear and world champion, the three from Premier Class, Mark Marquez. Ninth one of the time is an option to draw. I don't know. He's a rookie here. Well, I go through all that stuff. Years, I'm just trying to get the riders and teams here. That's what I wanted. So, trying to bring this up. Yeah. So, in regards to MotoGP, is it six times so 24 riders? The Vizioso will be on the RNF Yamaha, Johan Zarco for Premac Ducati, Luca Marini for VR46 Ducati, Maverick Vinales for Aprilia, Fabio Quattuaro, the defending world champion on the Monster Energy Yamaha, and his longtime teammate Franco Morbidelli moving over from the Malaysia team to take over the second seat. Monster Energy Yamaha, Nea Bastaini riding for Grassini Ducati. Raul Fernandez, rookie, riding for Tech3KTM. Taka Nakagami for LCR. Brad Binder, winner, uh, multiple winner in the MotoGP. And the Red Bull KTM. Joanne Mir, former world champion. And the Suzuki, Darren Binder, rookie in second R- RNF Yamaha. Ali Chespargo for Aprilia. Aprilia, Alex Rins for Suzuki. Jack Miller for Ducati. Polis Pargaro. For Honda, Fabio DG Antonio for Grassini Ducati, Peko Bagnaia, who is uh, a lot of people are picking as a favorite. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Marco Bisecchi in the second VR46 Ducati, Alex Marquez, LCR Honda, Remy Gardner coming to MotoGP as a second rider for Tech 3 KTM, the son of former world champion Wayne Gardner. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Miguel Oliveira in the factory, KTM, uh, his teammates with, I'm trying to go and look over here, with Brad Binder. Then you have Jorge Martin for Premac Ducati, and then long-time, multiple-time world champion uh, Mark Marquez in the uh, number 93 Repsol Honda. In Moto2, Sean Dylan Kelly is in uh, Moto2 now, so... Part of the American racing team, along with uh, multiple uh, Moto America Superbike champion Cameron Bobier. So that'll be a cool combination to look at. You know, Jorge Navarro has been in a MotoGP. Um, looking at Tony Arbolino for that name. Joe Roberts for Ital Trans Racing Team. Be running another year in Moto2. Manuel Gonzalez. Lorenzo Dallaporta. Yes, Sam Lowe's. Marcel Schroeder, Simona Corsi, Augusto Fernandez, Aaron Kinnett. I'm trying to look through. Anyway, Jake Dixon for Gascast uh, riding there. And there's, what is it, VR46 has a bunch of Albert Arenas is riding for Gascast. Ayagura riding for uh, Honda Team Asia. Um, trying to see Pedro Acosta for Red Bull KTM. Uh, trying to figure out who is who. This is Fernandez, Red Bull, KTM. And then there is that in regards to Moto3. I'm trying to see if there's any Americans. Oh, there's another Sergio Garcia. That's convenient. Um, trying to go and look through, doing my fine tooth. Yeah, so that's uh, Moto3. We're not really going to talk about it. It'll be Moto2 with the American riders. And then, of course, Moto GP. Uh, and see what happens with the race at uh, 
Qatar this coming weekend for the first race of the season. Uh, the V8 Supercars will be uh, running running their first race of the season. Um, the Repco Supercars Championship, 25 car grid going into this race, the first of the races there uh, at Sydney Motorsports Park, as I said, for uh, be 25 cars. <clears throat> You'll have the Shell. Got Nick Percat, the NTI, Bakkenshaw, Andretti United, number two. Tim Slayton, Blanchard, Cool Drive, Ford, Jack Smith, and the SGT Logistics, Holden, number four for Brad Jones, James Courtney, and the Opposite Lock, four wheel drive and vehicle accessories, Ford, number five for Tickford, Monster Energy, Ford for Cameron Waters, then Andre Heimgardner for Brad Jones Racing, RJ Batteries, Cub Cadet, uh, number eight, Will Brown in the Boost Mobile. Uh, Erebus Motorsports, number nine, Lee Holdsworth in the number 10, Grove Racing, Penwright, Ford Mustang, Anton D. Pasquale, number 11, Dick Johnson Racing, Shell V Power Ford, uh, Bryce Fullwood moves from the, basically swaps with Nick Percat um, from Brad Jones, from the Walk and Chandra United team to Brad Jones Racing. With the Middies Electrical, number 14, Will Davison's and number 17, Shell V Power Mustang, Mark Winterbottom and the Irwin Tools Team 18 car, Scott Pye is the second, is the second driver for Team 18 in the Seiko Toyota Forklifts, number 20, Chris Pitha in the Premier, Premier Racing Coca-Cola Holden, number 22, Chaz Mostert in the number 25 Optus Mobile One Walk and Drive United Racing Holden. And uh, Dave Reynolds is Team Aces. What's it called? Lee Holdsworth at Grove in the um, number 26 car, number 26 Ford. Then you have Jack LeBrock, Matt Stone Racing Truck Assist, number 34. And his teammate Todd Hazelwood in the Truck Assist, number 35. Thomas Randall. In the Castrol Mustang for Tickford Racing. Jake Kostecki will be running fourth car for Tickford and Trady, number 56. Gary Jacobson will be running a Subway Premier, um, number 76. So it will be a teammate to Chris Pitta. Then you'll have Brock Feeney, who's taking over Jamie Wincup's number 88 uh, for Red Bull Ampole Racing. And Macaulay Jones Automotive Superstar Tools.com, Brad Jones Racing number 96, Defending Series Champion Shane Van Gisbergen, AAA Race Engineering number 97, Red Bull Ampole uh, Holden. And then the last one is Brody Kostecki number 99, Erebus Motorsports Boost Mobile uh, Commodore. So we will see when it comes to the supercars, 25 car grid. Um, how the packing order looks early um, in regards to how the season goes. It's a Sydney Super Night uh, in Eastern Creek. They'll have um, race there. Then they'll wait, uh, was it three weeks to go to Tasmania, Simon's Plains uh, for the uh, second race of the year, then the Australian Grand Prix weekend, and Wanneroo, Winton, uh, 
was it Hidden Valley Raceway, Darwin, Roland Darwin, Triple Crown in June. So get into all that um, as the season goes along for the uh, V8 Supercars. Uh, NHRA was at Phoenix last week uh, for the uh, second race of the year. The um, next race will be the Gator Nationals on March 10, 13. But right now, Prozone Kelly Clowns, eh, okay. Um, trying to go and find yeah, those results. Uh, the Arizona Nationals at Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park. The Arizona Nationals in top fuel was Mike Salinas, Robert Height, and Funny Car gets two for two to start the year. Aaron Stanfield finishes uh, as the best in pro stock. And was it? Uh, there's Ryan McClanahan, Superstock. And you get and some of these guys are sandbaggers. But um, in regards to Mike Salinas, a great run with Rob Flynn now as his crew chief uh, coming in. They've run well recently, so they have a chance in the Scrappers' top fuel car. Uh, Robert Height. Yeah, so Mike Salinas beat Clay Milliken in the final there. Matt Hagen uh, lost to, to Robert Height. Possible first win for Tony Stewart Racing and only their second start. Uh, it's probably only a matter of time. Uh, teammates at Elite Motorsports, Aaron Stanfield won. He didn't get reaction time, and he was slower in 60 feet. But by 330 feet, he started catching him and then went by him for a 652-6 victory um, for Aaron Stanfield. And then you have some of these other... Uh, series before we get to Gainesville, getting the motorcycles, the pro song motorcycles come back out at that point. Uh, trying to go and consolidate. Uh, in regards to the Rally Sweden, it was Cali Ro- Rovampella, the winner. Uh, Rally Sweden. Um, in regards to WRC. And then trying to get the results. Rally results right there. Got. Cali Rovampera wins uh, in his Toyota by 22 seconds over Thierry Newville and Hyundai and Eskimar Lappi and Katsuda for Toyota. They're third and fourth. Then you have uh, Gus Greensmith and the Ford uh, going and finishing fifth in the rally. Oliver Solberg finished sixth, uh, Mickelson, and then whatever. In regards to WRC, the um, in uh, WRC standings, yeah, we're not taking races right then and there. We're not going to go and judge the whole entire season on that. So rally Sweden, but you know, there's people who had issues wrecking, but they did wreck, but they had enough time to go and uh, fix some of the problems that were existing with the car to make it more competitive there. Um, We'll go to Vegas now um, for the picks, or just in general, discuss the racing. What do we think is going to happen? Josh, um, I'm going to let you go here and talk about the Cup Series race, uh, the Pennzoil 400. Um, what are your thoughts and what are you thinking in regards to that uh, race before we uh, move forward and uh, make picks for both races? Yeah, I, th- I think this race is going to be an interesting uh, race for the Cup Series, especially the new car uh, being on a mile-and-a-half track for the first time. Uh, I think Vegas uh, doesn't have quite the tire wear uh, 
type that uh, Fontana has, but it still has uh, a good amount of wear. The last couple of seasons that we've been at this track, though, uh, the high line hasn't really come into factor. It has been a little bit more pack racing-like um, with uh, this racetrack, but especially with the old package. But now this new package, um, I think we might we may see the top kind of come into effect uh, like it did in previous generations uh, or you know, previous formulas of the Gen 6 car. So we'll see what how that plays out. Um, I think I expect Kyle Larson to still be up there up front like it was last year, uh, but I think maybe it might play out differently um, as I think Hendrick, they did have really good uh, speed on the mile and a half tracks, but just didn't um, come down to the, uh, you know, the, the same, I guess this year it may not come down to the same way, uh, but I do look at the Chevys being strong once again, overall, just like the uh, last week with uh, RCR racing uh, and specifically the number eight car and Tyler Reddick having another opportunity maybe to win. Uh, I think maybe look out for a 43 car again to have something even track house team track house with Daniel Suarez, uh, running in the number 99 car, uh, could expect him to be up front or, you know, be in the top 10, uh, like to see what happens with Toyota, you know, with, uh, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Martin Jerich Jr., Christopher Bell, uh, they didn't have the greatest weekend back in, uh, Fontana. So do they go to Vegas and do they have a, a better week? And then I think extend that one to, uh, Bubba Wallace and, um, Kurt Busch, both of those, uh, cars, uh, didn't really perform the greatest at California. Uh, can they recover and finish you know, or at least run better throughout the race? I know Kurt Busch ended up getting a top 10, but I mean, he wasn't, I mean, he ran like crap most of the race and then uh, managed to get it up in the top 10. And of course, Bubba uh, this past weekend uh, had a chance to get in the top 10 then got caught up in the crash with Brad Keselowski uh, in, in uh, the last stage. So can Bubba recover from his, uh, incident there and get a, a better finish on a mile and a half track. Uh, looking for a lot of improvement, I guess, in 2311 in general for mile and a half races that um, they weren't the greatest at last year. But I do think uh, we we will see um, a lot of tire wear uh, in general uh, with this this car. It seems like, and I think uh, another point of focus is going to be the cautions. Uh, when we see a car spin out, are we going to see flat tires again? And then how fast can they get them back to the pits? Um, will they be able to drive it back to the pits without needing a tow truck? I think there's a, a lot of things that we have to uh, think about, especially um, that was uh, kind of the issues with. California this past weekend, uh, cars spinning out and being unable to drive it back to the pits. They had to get towed back to the pits and then ended up losing a lot of laps anyways, and basically falling out of contention in the race, uh, like Brad Keselowski and, and, uh, other drivers, uh, in Fontana. So I think it's going to be a thing to think about, um, and probably a point of focus, something that the series is going to have to, uh, fix, I guess, in, in terms of, uh, improving, uh, the bugs in this car, uh, the defects, if you want to call it uh, that, or or they can have to figure out a, a different way of um, getting these cars uh, to recover from a spin uh, without losing a tire. And people are saying, well, just don't spin out or you know get a flat tire. And I mean, you have to be able to you have to be able to account for that though, because um, spinning out, I mean, it, it, it's going to happen for some cars. It'll happen, but I think. Um, you know, you, it's a enough of a event that could happen that you have to be able to be prepared for it. You can't just like say, oh, it's whatever, and then move on. You know, you 
um, you have to be able to uh, account for uh, things like that that are commonalities when it comes to how racing works in general. Uh, so we'll see how that goes if um, they're able to improve um, the recoveries from spins and whatnot. Um, uh, I, I mean, I didn't talk about the Fords, but I do think Penske, uh, I think they're going to be up front again. Uh, Penske is always up front at Las Vegas, and I w- wouldn't expect anything any anything different from uh, that. We'll see uh, if they're able to uh, go out and do that uh, in this race, but I do think in general Ford still looked strong overall and even though they um you know they didn't finish some of their teams didn't finish as well this week as they did in daytona so definitely think maybe the fords uh bounce back a little bit better um from california going into this weekend but um general uh, i think it's probably going to be a mix of the the chevys and the fords mostly up front yeah we we have i mean there's still a lot to look at i mean the winds are going to be an issue at vegas uh, they're close to the Nellis uh, Air Force Base there or whatever. So the winds do play a role, and that was with previous cars as well. But now I think any type of weather condition, you have to really think about what kind of weather conditions are out there, how that'll affect the car. And winds, when you don't have that big sail on the left rear corner of the car now, um, and the deck lid and all that, how much that affects the drivability and also being able to drive in and off of the corners. The Fords, you know, they have a lot of strong cars so far to start the year. Think, you know, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, two guys that, and Kurt Busch, of course, wants to win at Las Vegas. Um, he did uh, a few years ago in uh, one car, finally. Of course, Kyle's won there too, but uh, you have to look at Toyota, uh, they want to win a race here. It might be an opportunity for them amongst their crew uh, to go and get a W there at, at Las Vegas. Um, in regards to the Chevys, there are some Chevys, like the big names, of course, is the Hendrick, but you know, RCR is up there. That track has a little bit of seasoning, so running that high line. Reddick could be up there again. You have... Uh, have the other drivers uh, there's the majority of them are chevy drivers so there is that uh, the petty gms uh, team with eric jones what can they do as an encore um when the rcr affiliated team seem to be doing all right here in this spot so that's something we'll see if that trend continues uh with this car you know with the fours i mean Stuart austin penske have been doing good work uh so far this year, but can they close? You know, Penske, of course, did with Sindrick at Daytona, but you want to see them close on a regular track, a track that they're going to be running at a lot. That and the road courses are what they're going to be running at a lot um, this year or in key spots um, in general. Uh, uh, who do you look at uh, for the Cup Series uh, race in terms of, I guess, for not just the winner there, Josh, but um, a dark horse pick. Uh, and I don't know if you're going algorithm, but uh, if you're doing algorithm, then we can do that too. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the Chevys, like I said earlier, I think they're going to be pretty fast this weekend. Um, I mean, I look at Hendrick uh, kind of to continue their success from mile and a half tracks last year. Um, I look at, again, I'm I'm going to go, you know, uh, with Young Money again. I mean, last 
last week, I picked Young Money, and I was on the money. So I'm going to pick Kyle Larson again to go two in a row to uh, start the year. Uh, two out of three ain't bad for the first three races, so go with him. Uh, I think Dark Horse, um, I mean, it's tough to say, but you know, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, – uh, I'm going to go with the 47 and Ricky Stenhouse. I thought that last weekend uh, he looked like he could be a, a guy that could contend in the race. He was in the top 10 a few times during uh, the auto club or the wise power 400. Uh, so look for that team to possibly uh, be another uh, contender once again in the top 10. Uh, and then they did end up finishing in the top 10 uh, at Fontana. So look for them to try to at least uh, have their name up there uh, on the leaderboard uh, as we you know go throughout that race and as things uh, come to fruition. And then I did go algorithm. I did make that pick or set that up while you were uh, saying your part there and it picks Danny Hamlin to win uh the Las Vegas Pennzoil 400 so the algorithms you know at the first it was picking random picks but now it seems as we've seasoned it a little bit starting to learn uh what things are you know who's the contenders and stuff so now it picked Danny Hamlin which is pretty legitimate I think as far as the algorithm pick goes in the cup series so Kyle Larson you have uh O Richard which would theoretically be the wild card and then the algorithm goes uh danny hamlinberger uh car owner slash driver slash outspoken whatever um here uh, to go and get a win at las vegas i'm trying to remember off the top i think he has one win there um danny hamlin at las vegas so wouldn't be out of the realm it goes and fits my narrative in regards to the toyota's uh, I think that Martin Truex is going to go out and get his first win of the year. Um, he won both stages in the 500, but then kind of fell back. Last week wasn't as much of a factor. Vegas is one of his better racetracks. It's a spot for Toyota wanting to go and win. If it wasn't going to be him, I figured it would be Kyle Busch. So I'm picking Martin Truex. In regards to a wild card pick, somebody that might be a little bit off the grid that might go and theoretically go and win this race i'm looking at i'm gonna get really crazy with it actually i'm i'm gonna go eric almirola i mean it's his final year and he's had good runs at these one and a half mile racetracks uh, in recent past the way that him and drew blickensdurfer are working together uh, seems to be doing some doing uh proving to be very fruitful and uh it would be uh, an upset if he went out there and won the race at Las Vegas. So I'll pick Eric Almirola as my wild card pick. As a third pick, um, just as somebody to look at, I guess. And in my case, will be somebody to look for uh, when it comes to this race. I would go and say, because we already have Truex and then... Spoke about uh, that right there. I'm going to go through this field. And Eric Almirola. So and I have to pick a Chevy. So the third person I look at, I'm looking at a Chevy driver, Chevy driver. And I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with 48 car. I'm going to go with Alex Bowman, Ally Chevrolet. Um, he's good 
on certain types of racetracks. The older surfaces seem to suit him better, rougher surfaces. Vegas is starting to get some seasoning in it. Um, you know, Ives is on and off when it comes to setups, and they're relatively inconsistent, but when they do hit, they're able to hit hard and and win. So I chose the 19. I looked at Eric Umrell as a wild card, and then as a third driver to watch is Alex Bowman in the 48 car for this weekend. We'll see what happens in regards to all that. Uh, the uh, Xfinity Series race this coming weekend is the Alsco Uniforms 300, 42 drivers for, what, 38 spots, so four cars will go home. You have uh, certain people there that aren't uh, worth a whole hell of a lot. And then you have, you have Kaz Grawler running the 45 Alpha Prime uh, Chevy. Ryan Else will be in the 44 Alpha Prime Chevy. Uh, the Sieg brothers there. And CJ McLaughlin, who's a caution waiting to happen. So that's on, that's virtually a guarantee. And he sucks. Um, Jesse Uwuji is going to be dead last because that's Jesse Uwuji. Uh, trying to go through some of these other people. The MBM 13 doesn't have a driver. Uh, as of this announcement, Joe Graff Jr., of course, failed to qualify last week. So we'll see what he does uh, this week. Sheldon Creed's had a tough start to the year, but I figure that'll turn around eventually. And Gagson's from around there, so he's going to want to win. There's stories, um, you know, out about Landon Castle and uh, his opportunity finally being top flight equipment uh, after many years of being in underfunded equipment. Ryan Truex will be making his return to Joe Gibbs Racing this weekend in the 18 car. Uh, those are some of the people uh, that kind of theoretically stand out in this crowd. I'll go and make my picks. I'm going to pick Josh Berry. He's had a rough start to the season, but I feel like he's got a new crew chief, so they made that change. He had a couple of races. You're able to make adjustments, especially at California, um, and hopefully with the limited practice they have, they're able to hit on it and be in a position to qualify well, and if that happens, then they have a good chance of uh, competing and winning another race. Of course, he won in the one car last fall, I think Josh Berry would be somebody as a good choice for the victory. Uh, the wild card, I mean, I guess in theory it, it's it's a stretch calling it a wild card, but I'll say Ryan Truex. He's been close before in the Xfinity Series at Joe Gibbs Racing. He's been close when he was a colleague. Um, at some point, he has to get over that and get that victory. So for me... It's uh, uh, it will be the uh, yeah the eighteen as I picked her the wild card an eight so eight and eighteen were my picks. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I think for me in this race, uh, you know, you have a lot of fast cars uh from the top teams like Colleague, uh, JR Motorsports, uh, Gibbs, uh, they've been up there as well uh, with their star car, the 18 car and 54. And I think for me, you know, I'm going to go with Ty Gibbs in the 54. Uh, uh, you know, he's had some good success on mile and a half tracks in the last year, one at Charlotte last year, one at Kansas, both mile and a half tracks and uh, 
when Gibbs cars are out front, they tend to win. So I expect the uh, you know the 54 car to be able to go out and win uh, this race. Uh, I think for me, uh, maybe someone to watch. Uh, I maybe look at the one car, Sam Mayer, just someone uh, who could be up there, like in the top 10, top 15 ish uh, there. I think a, a total wild card, I think, uh, would be the 23. And Al- Anthony Alfredo uh, was really impressive last weekend at uh, Fontana. You know, if things kind of play out the same way, he's able to get tires at the end, may, may be able to see him uh, up front or close to up front at the end if uh, pit stops go his way, pit strategy goes his way. So uh, that's that's what I'm thinking, I guess, on the Xfinity side. And then, of course, the algorithm uh, will run that for the Xfinity series as well, and it picks just Nagar to win this race. So uh, a lot of lot of good numbers uh, we're throwing out here right now in the GSP. Yeah, you're, you're hedging. You know, Danny Hamlin and Justin Allgaier on the algorithm at a cookie cutter. Um, are solid picks for sure. And then you talk about Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs. Those are three very solid picks. Um, one, I figure since we're doing three, um, one other person that I would say to look at in general, uh, and for this race, there's four, five, six, four there. Um, somebody I would say to look at as a wild card is Sheldon Creed. He's it, it's kind of unfair to say he's a wild card, but he is an experience in Xfinity equipment, but he has a fast race car. His teammate won the week before at Daytona or a couple weeks ago now at Daytona. So you know that um, Sheldon Creed is going to want to show out and put himself in a position to make the playoffs without having to go through serious effort later in the year. The truck series will run on Friday uh, Friday night for the Victoria's uh, Voice 2 Foundation 200. There's, what is it, 37 for 36, tr- 37 trucks for 36 spots. Tabo 9 is running a second Halmar Friesen uh, Toyota with Cam- Camping World on it. He's going to run enough to get to his seven races uh, to get to 500 starts, I believe is what it is, or something like that. Uh, certain Kyle Bush will be in this field, so that basically um, says something. Um, yeah, Priest will be in the DGR Ford with United Rentals. Uh, he won his op- or first truck race at Nashville last year. Yeah, you have yeah, Haley Deegan's back, what I was worth. Um Gray Ancrum there, Chandler Smith. Um, I'm just going to go out and uh, say Kyle Busch and uh, leave it at that. Uh, the person that I would look at is somebody that might be able to sneak through and do something. I mean, Zane Smith, of course, has won a race, so he's free rolling. Uh, he doesn't really have the concerns a lot of these other guys do in regards to sponsorship and money and the whole bit. Uh, I see the whole general people that probably run that yeah the person i'd put as a as a wild card may not really be a wild card uh, but i'm gonna go with ty majeski as uh, new combination with joe shear jr number 66 uh, trying to go and get that elusive first victory in nascar's top three series uh, i think it would be huge if he was able to do that and i think he's fully capable of doing that so what were your 
thoughts on the truck race that'll be taking place on Friday evening, Josh? Yeah, I think for me, you know, I'm going to go with the the other Kyle Busch Motorsports car in John Hunter Nemechek. Won this race last year, defeating his boss Kyle Busch. So I'm going to just roll with history here. And I think you know, a guy with a wild card pick, I'm going to go with. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Ryan Priest. He's a really good, solid cup driver and lost his ride, unfortunately, but seems like he might be waiting in the wings, uh, Stuart Haas. And possibly if a ride opens up there, he could get in back in the cup there. Um, and he's really solid, been good uh, throughout his career, just hasn't had the opportunity. So I'll go with him. And then, of course, Algorithm uh, went ahead and ran that one through and it picked the 56 of Timmy Hill. So a little out there, but, uh, could have a solid finish. You know, he, um, maybe not a, a winning car for sure, but certainly somebody that could maybe, uh, get out a, a top 20 or possibly even a top 15, uh, in this race. And Timmy Hill and his, uh, brother, they've been building good trucks. Uh, so, I mean, it's not out of the realm to get a top 15 and they could possibly go and get a top 10 or more with fuel mileage and all that. That's why Tyler Ankrum won his first career race. It was on fuel mileage with, um, I think the DGR team a couple years back. So that's not uncommon, but you have to be able to manage that and get, get it across the line as the oven beeps because we're making food. Um, we will go to me move all that we did oh yeah so uh miss hummer uh after mackens it did a pretty good job in the tv booth and now he's going to be an srx at least for three races along with uh miss hummer 2.0 Haley deegan's gonna be driving i guess for a couple um and of course smoke uh, announced his return to the driver's seat in regards to the that series so the um am i thinking there yeah when it comes to her coming back to announce i'm glad that most of these bars they don't bother to put the volume up or most places don't really give her the time of day because she's a hack um she's not really focused on racing she's using it as a bit to promote something whether it's her cleansing or probably going and doing yoga and, and wine and all the other crap that she's into. Um, it's basically self aggrandizing and promotion. And I'm not really there for her promotion. I'm there for the fact that there's a race, but um, a lot of fans don't seem to agree with that take. How about you, Josh? What were your thoughts when you saw that? Um, Danica Patrick, of course, not only will be basically, uh, you know, not out there, um, when it comes to this weekend and uh, the racing that we will see and how she will be able to call it or if she'll have anything of value to call because she really doesn't have a clue. I mean, yeah, Danica doesn't really have a clue for the most part. It's going to be a lot of uh, basic statements and ums and ahs and all that stuff like she's known to do and, um, you know, she didn't really uh, impress that well, I guess, uh, when she did the announcing bit at uh, SRX last year. And, you know, it was whatever and everything. I mean, maybe an analyst role like at Indy, but, you know, that's just uh, the name the name thing to get people to tune into the Indy 500 uh, like she did the past couple of years with NBC Sports. But, you know, I mean, it's whatever. Just again, um, wish uh, Mark Martin could be in this uh, role. 
uh, him and Matt Kenseth definitely provided a lot of commentary and intelligence to the broadcast. Uh, I, th- I think, um, you know, Mark Martin, if he wanted to, he'd be able to be in the booth for a couple of races, uh, like Kenseth and Tony have done, uh, would, would have liked to have seen, um, somebody like that in the booth, uh, for the cup series. But, you know, fortunately we get, we get Danica for a few races and maybe it helps the ratings somehow. And I doubt it though. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, probably, I'm not sure if I'm going to be watching the race, maybe having some weekend plans or anything, but you know, um, not, you know, not looking forward to having to hear Danica on the broadcast, whether I watch it live or see highlights. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So, yeah. So that's um, in regards to her coming back. It is what it is. I guess that's why I zone. I'm zoning because it's Miss Hummer. Um, and it's kind of like having to listen to her. Uh, you zone out because you don't want to listen to her because she sucks. Uh, but we'll have her for two weeks. Um, Clint Boyer will probably hit on her. Um, Clint Boyer will probably go and ask if, uh, well, maybe he will if, if, if Danica and Michael. He's not like Pete. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's not a pervert, uh, which is good. He's just an inbreed, inbreeder. But the fact of the matter is, you're going to go and it's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird dynamic. So I, I, I'm not really looking forward to that. I'm just hoping the racing is good at Las Vegas this weekend, minus the fact that the announcing is probably going to suck. Josh, let us know what's going on on your, in your neck of the woods in regards to the sim side of things and iRacing and other gaming platforms and Gran Turismo. There's been stuff coming out with that too. So uh, people are looking at that game as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think with iRacing, the big news is that the uh, iRacing Open Wheels 500 is back uh, on schedule for 2022. Last year, you know, Tanner Watkins, a good friend at OpenWheels.com, uh, Open Wheels 500. He was um, supposed to host the race last year, but then uh, did not host the race because uh, he has you know more priorities in real life, which is understandable with um, his pursuit. Uh, and continuing to pursue real life motorsports. Um, of course we know he's part of the staff at IRP, uh, in Indianapolis and, uh, glad he's being able to make inroads there, but, you know, of course also glad that he's figured out, uh, to transfer over the, I guess, stewardship or however you want to call it for the open wheels 500. And, uh, I think I forget who it is, but it's the, one of the guys that runs, uh, or helps do stuff with uh race spot TV, which is, a uh, I think like the unofficial or official broadcasting, uh, f- uh, arm for iRacing. Um, I, I don't think they're actually affiliated with iRacing, but they do a lot of the major, uh, iRacing events, uh, broadcasting on YouTube and Twitch, I think for, uh, all those streams. So, uh, at least we have an opportunity now. Uh, of course it's going to be, it's going to be hard, uh, like it was in 2020. I mean, I'm sure, uh, feel, do feel a little bit more confident in the Indy car now, um, but still going to have to figure out the setup side of it and, and whatnot to be able to get speed. Uh, but I do feel like, I feel like now that the iRacing, they've continued to place updates on the, the Indy car in general. I feel like, um, it's, I mean, it's going to be close, but yeah, I think the, the setup, it's it's not going to feel impossible, I guess. Uh, I mean, I feel like if you can find a competitive setup or start out with a good base, uh, you know, you can go from there and, and figure out how to get a four lap average in and make the field. But I mean, it's it's going to be interesting, and maybe our best uh, best bet to make the field for that one is to, I guess, network with some people online with iRacing and try to you know 
get onto a esports team that's running the or going to be running in there. Uh, but you know, if not, always try to do it the independent way, the old fashioned way, and try to make it in ourselves. Um, I'm kind of an individualist, so I may up going that route, and I tend not to talk to uh, people online sometimes, but uh, especially on the iRacing side, I kind of just do my own thing. But maybe you'll talk to some people. I'll talk to some people and see if I can figure something out, work something out uh, when that comes around. Um, but I mean, that's the big thing with iRacing for me. Of course, um, then of course, you know, you have the iRacing Indy 500 in May, which sort of will prep for the Open Wheels 500 in November. So uh, we'll see how that goes and everything. But the other, yeah, like you said, the other thing was the Gran Turismo coming out soon uh, for PlayStation. And uh, I will hopefully be able to download that. Uh, I'm going to have to delete some games um, because the storage space is getting pretty low for uh, my PlayStation already. I've only had it for a year and I'm already running out of space uh, on my hard drive. So I'm going to have to either delete some games or buy an expansion drive online. Uh, we'll see what happens. I know some friends I was talking with, uh, they already had to buy expansion drives for that. So um, I have to do that maybe for me uh, because Gran Turismo, I, I looked on it. I think it's like 100 gigabytes probably or 95 gigabytes, which is pretty big and you know, shows the technological advances uh, that we've made in the gaming industry and uh, that have, uh, you know, been been achieved and and everything um, and uh you know that's that's how it is but uh a little inconvenient but you know it's whatever and i'm gonna have to i guess if i get a wheel i'm gonna have to either figure out how to get an adapter for my wheel for playstation 5 or or figure out a way to get a better wheel or something like that but otherwise it'll just be controllers and then um i think uh i racing if i play i racing uh this week this weekend probably do 87 cars at pocono at the old pocono before the repave maybe any cars at watkins Glen with the boot um and then maybe maybe some mazda miata stuff uh if i have time uh we'll see how the weekend goes uh may have stuff planned outside of uh i racing and you know in real life and all that stuff so we'll see how it goes but yeah, I mean, we'll go ahead and roll into the close here. I mean, as always, uh, you can follow the iRacing streams and any other streams that I decide to post uh, at twitch.tv slash usiller2. Uh, go on there and follow that and watch all my stuff. Still have the iRacing Daytona 500 up there that I ran successfully to completion at 200 laps. So go there and watch the replay of that if you'd like to. Uh, and then, of course, any other things that are on there that may pique your interest, you can watch on there as well. And then, of course, um, my social uh, media, you can go on, follow me on Twitter at JB Huffine. Go on there, follow and talk about the racing, see what I have to say about racing and then other things in general. Uh, go on there and see, you know, and we can talk and um, have discussion about you know, all the races and, and see what we're all thinking and how we're feeling about Danica Patrick commentating during the race. So uh, that's all I got for tonight for me, uh, where we can follow you, Phil. Yeah, you can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can follow uh, you know, on Facebook.com. Uh, Philip G. Matthew. I'm there a little bit more, but not really. It's mostly on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Philip G. Matthew 28. Um, our show at Gripster Pod is on Twitter as well. So please give us a follow there and uh, like and listen to us. Uh, our, our show, the Gripster Podcast, is on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. Uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So we're on basically anywhere where uh, podcasts are. The Dripster podcast is on there. 
Uh, we try to, I try to go and do my part and get us out as soon as possible. We, we record on Wednesday evenings, try to get it out, uh, by the weekend. Um, so that if you are going to listen, can actually go and listen to it while it's part of your weekend, uh, leisure. Um, We'll be back next week on the GSP to discuss all the events of the previous weekend. We'll talk about NASCAR at Vegas. We'll talk about the MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3 openers, uh, more like MotoGP and Moto2. Get into the uh, racing that took place at V8 Supercars, uh, V8 Supercars, NASCAR Vegas, all that Formula One. We'll be preparing for a test and then get into that the one at bahrain and anything else that comes along here uh during this week which is the combine week in the nfl so uh, see what happens with anything like that just before the uh league year starts as it's ironic saying league year since the major league baseball is doing what they can to go and strike so uh they suck at life so we'll see what happens with that uh with uh all that done, my name is Philip Matthew. For my co-host, Joshua Fine, and for all of you listeners that um, that give us the time and have liked us and downloads, uh, we thank you for that. Thank you for listening to Gripshire Podcast. Um, our prayers are out to those in the Ukraine um, for what they're having to go through because of um, freaking Putin um, and the BS that's come from that. So hopefully for you, you're safe. and or have found safety, um, and hopefully this will be resolved sooner rather than later uh, so that we're not constantly in war the way that the U.S. was in war for decades on end because they spend way too much on defense budget. Um, so we'll get in all, we'll see what happens with all that. Thank you for listening to Gripster Podcast. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care and have a good one.